1: It's time time. time for the hard-hitting analysis
0: you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Welcome to another edition of the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined as always by former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central on 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. You can check that out on the Odyssey app or on Twitch at the Dallas Fan Cam, wherever else. He is also the pre- and post-game show host for the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And uh, we're always grateful to have his insights, uh, especially after he's gotten a chance to watch some of the film. So we're going to review that here in this first segment. Before we do that, Brian, how are how are things? I'll tell you what, I'm like you. I'm very busy going from one show to the other.
1: Uh, I get to uh, be a part of uh, Sean and RJ uh, tomorrow morning. So uh, I go from doing this uh, podcast to now watching Dallas Mavericks and then getting up in the morning at 4 a.m. to go do a 530 show. So a lot going on. uh, (laughs) But uh, that's what we do this time of year.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's the old saying. Uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Uh, that that's where you and I are at, and uh, we're at that point for sure. Yes, Thursday, Friday, I'll be in for, for RJ. So uh, we it'll be a love of the star takeover on the morning show, of 105.3 the fan. In case you guys can't get enough of this already, uh, Brian. Next segment, we'll talk a little bit about the Jonathan Hankins trade. Right, I, I think that that's a uh, a that's not just a small acquisition. That's a notable one. Uh, given what this team has needed. But before we dive into that, uh, I know we got a chance to review the game uh, in the immediate aftermath, but we've both gotten a chance to kind of uh, look at the tape and, and and have some takeaways from this one. Uh, so I guess my my first question for you after getting a chance to watch the game back, Brian, and, and get a chance to see the All-22, where were things or, or who do you think potentially was better than you initially thought on, on the initial viewing and who maybe struggled more than you initially thought after you had first watched it?
1: You know, I was, the the thing that kind of struck me early in the game and when you saw it live was that with Prescott and how early he didn't seem like that he really had good enough rhythm with the game. Um, His passes weren't as good as they needed to be. I didn't feel like he was as accurate as he needed to be. Uh, you know, right out of the the gates, the, you know, the ball that, you know, they they run a play to Noah Brown and you're thinking, okay, and you called it, you said it, you called the exact (laughs) play, you know, the, the play action boot and, and it, you know, it, it was well designed, well run, just not well executed. And, you know, that, it's like that got kind of caught in between some things, you know, do I run, do I throw, what do I do? And, you know, with the things with Dak Prescott is that you know just put the ball out front. Let Noah Brown just just put the ball right out front. Let Noah Brown catch it. Let him get up the field or let him get out of bounds. Lions run the same play and they and it goes for a huge gain. And you're like going, okay, well that's you know that's kind of what this play was supposed to look like. But I kind of felt like that he found himself uh for sure in the second half. Uh, you know, the pocket was a little bit cleaner for him. The receivers did a little bit better job of getting open. Uh, the running game kind of softened him up in some stuff that they were able to do. And I thought he looked more like Dak Prescott then. The the, the shot that he took down the middle of the field, I kind of felt like he got fooled on that one. Yeah. I felt like that when you go back and watch it, the the uh lions are really they show him a single high look. And if you're new to us, uh, you know, when we talk about single high, it's a safety in the middle of the field. And so what happens, though, is that he's thinking single high, middle of the field safety, and then Kirby Joseph is a safety that's down that all of a sudden, though, when the snap of the ball, he rotates to make it instead of single high. He gives it a two deep look. Yeah. Yeah. Dak throws a pass thinking he's still going to have a single high look where Joseph was able to drop on the play and, and give it a cover two look. And so to throw that ball where he did, he's throwing it basically to a safety that's on that hash. And, you know, and it, was, it looked like to me that Lamb was a little surprised that he threw the ball, you know, that he really didn't fight for it all that well. And it, to be honest with you, it should have been intercepted. Um, another thing with Dak is that you know on the they had a third and two situation they get a second and one they get a minus one on a run which has been you know was a was a little problematic for him this game. Yep, Dak it's third and two, and they're going to run a little out route with Lamb and then curl behind it with Brown, and so the read is outside inside, and then you should probably make that throw. Well, he. Didn't like what he saw to the outside with Lamb, which was he was absolutely right. But then you just fire the ball right to Brown, and it's a gain of four. Just make the
0: decision. Just go. Make
1: the the decision. And really, the Lions had Brown that was around him, but it wasn't on top of him. So it wasn't really going to be a contested throw. It was throw it between the eight and the five, let him get the first down and keep the drive going. And now you're. You know in a good good situation instead he takes a sack because he goes from one to two and then he tries to read all the way back into the middle of the field and by that time you know Terrence Steele had struggled uh with his block and Hutchinson is on top of Dak, and it's a sack and so now you're you know you you had a chance to sustain a drive to keep a drive going but instead you get sacked now that's just, I've just gave you two examples. I'm not here to try and kill Dak Prescott. I'm just trying to say everything else about the game with Dak Prescott, I thought was fine. I really, really did. Those couple of throws there. And then when they had the, you know, the, the you know, we got, they had the holding pilling. it was like second and 20, then it was third and 20. And then, you know, he threw two balls that probably shouldn't have been thrown.
0: He's that, that's him trying to do too much, I think. It's them getting in a too much. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it's them getting a hold of him saying, let me make a play.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, but that's overall, though, you watch him throwing the ball. Like I said, in the second half, he was 10 of 11, you know, and, and he was good in the pocket, uh, made some good, solid, dependable throws right on target. You know, Dalton Schultz got back in the mix. They got CeeDee Lamb going a little bit, Noah Brown. You know, the, the one thing that's been a problem has been, you know, what they're going to do with Michael Gallup. And, you know, in the Monday afternoon when we have a chance to talk with the uh, you know, offensive coordinator, you know, Kellen Moore, he's taken it upon himself. I have to do more to get him involved. Well, they're running 58 plays, you know, and, yeah, they're, you know, 27 of those plays are run plays, with Zeke and Pollard. So, okay, where are the other ones going? And, you know, where are the other plays going? And, you know, there's been a little problem, I think, with with Michael Gallup. And I just don't see the separation that I have, you know, throughout his career. And I don't see really the confidence. You know, I, I what's the last receiver to go out and really snatch a ball for the Dallas Cowboys? You know, we've seen guys like, you know, back in the day, the, you know, the Michael Irvin snatch a ball. Des Bryant
0: snatch a ball. Cedric that Wilson ball. was I the last did. one probably.
1: Yeah, I mean they they've had guys that in the past have extended their hands and and caught passes. Yeah. And with this group, you don't always see that. You just don't always see that and you know, if there's if there's not separation and they're not extending, they're going to get some balls knocked down like they had all those balls knocked down in the Eagles game. You know, they had all those passes that were defense but I I'm gonna say Dak Prescott. I, I, I heard you on 1053 the fan. I think Sean Sharif asked you what your grade for Dak was. You said a B. I think that I think that's absolutely what he was. Now, I'm I'm doing a lot of talking here and I apologize. No, no, me.
0: no, this is this is exactly what I think people wanted to hear. They want to hear the break. But, what did it look but, like on tape?
1: But I but I also know this about Dak Prescott. They didn't practice a whole hell of a lot. There nope. was not this. Okay, let's go out and get a bunch of reps and get him going. Was there throwing on air and stuff like that? Sure. there it was like that. That was what they were doing. Mike McCarthy and I applaud him for this. He gets his team ready in a way to have him as fresh as possible when they play. They play yeah. a Sunday night game. They get home very you guys get home very early Monday morning. You know, you have a couple of days to kind of recover. And now you're in the middle of practicing. And so that. That's you know, that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a work of trying to get everybody completely healthy and ready to go. Dak didn't have a whole lot of reps in practice. Nobody did. Nope. Nobody really had a whole hell of a lot of reps. So not making excuses for Dak. I'm just saying, though, for his live look right off the jump against a team that I felt like was desperate and ready to play against the Lions. He did it like he did a a, a good job, which I think it, you gave the letter grade of a B. I think you're absolutely right about that.
0: Was that better? Was a B better than what you thought it was initially? Or or did he play about what you had figured?
1: I kind of felt like, though, that early it started off as like a D minus. And then it, all of a sudden you're like, OK, well, then you start thinking, well, he's not throwing the ball well. And you're starting to have flashbacks of what's going on you know, with Tampa, and you're like, man, did he really practice? And, you know, I mean, there's all these things going through your head. And then he started making some throws. And, you know, and then he was, you know, more accurate. The ball that he threw to Lamb that was uh, the roll to the right, where he had pressure in his face, He, you know, he threw it. You know, it it was in a great spot. The ball he threw to Dalton Schultz that got Dalton Schultz' knee kind of banged up again was a beautiful ball great touch, right where it needed to be. When you started to see that, you're thinking like, okay, this is starting to come back to him a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's those are the kinds of plays that that helped him along the way.
0: You mentioned the Gallup issue there. Um, let's talk about Gallup and, and the receivers in general. Um, and, and, you know, let's address first what Kellen Moore had to say, where he, he said there that, you know, I got to do a better job. We can't just have two targets. That's my bad. I got to do that. You remember in in 2020 where Mike McCarthy had that famous quote about fantasy football nonsense, about the idea of playing Zach Martin at tackle. Realistically, to, to just pull it back a little bit, Mike McCarthy said fantasy football nonsense because he was protecting a player who didn't want to play tackle. And he was protecting him from having to say, Zach Martin doesn't want to play tackle. And so he right. came up for with different ways to say, is that Kellen Moore giving cover and fire to a player in Michael Gallup who's just not playing well enough?
1: You know, coaches are very mindful about trying to throw guys under the bus, unless you're Mike Leach at, you know, at Mississippi <laughs> State. Yeah. And if you haven't heard Mike Leach talk about dinosaurs and no hands and all that, and, you know, things they need to work on, go YouTube Mike Leach press conference talking about hands, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that – but I think you have to be very careful of that. Um I don't think that I don't think that Gallup is playing, and I and honestly, I'm giving him and Britt Brown a lot of credit for even coming back the way they have. But man, I just when you get Michael Gallup, we we were talking about this, Bob. We, who's the guy that was going to benefit the most from Dak being back? It was either going to be Michael Gallup or Dalton Schultz, yeah, oh, and, and maybe even the running game. Maybe Zeke and Pollard were going to benefit having a legitimate quarterback that can throw the ball. And again, it's not like a bashing Cooper Rush, but I think you need a threat there. You know, they needed that threat. And I just don't see it right now with 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 Michael Gallup. I just don't see uh, you know, with what's going on there. I I just don't, I'm not too sure about this, you know, the, you know, it just it doesn't look right and i don't know how confident he really really is catching the
0: football right now do you do you think there's anything lingering from the ACL or do you think he's back and he's just not mentally there right now
1: i think that it's just like he he needs man the guy is he makes the most incredible catches contorted catches you'll ever see but there's also the easy ones where you go well why what what happened there why was that not a catch you know and and i mean i'm singling him out but these guys have all had moments where to the point where, you know, uh, Cowboy Nation out there is talking about need a receiver, got to get a receiver. And then I will remind people, well, okay, you got these receivers. Do you feel like if you go get one, that this coaching staff will do whatever it takes to get the best out of that receiver? Well, Kellen Moore have admitted to you that he's got to do more to get Michael Gallup the ball. Well, okay, yeah. go go trade for Brandon Cooks or somebody like that. Do you trust him to get him the ball? You know, that's the questions you have to ask yourself. Is it these receivers? Is it the quarterback? Is it the scheme that, you know, to get these guys, you know, completely open? You know, I mean, we saw it with Amari uh, Cooper and those guys last year. They They had moments where receivers were open. But, you know, they're not always winning off the line. Quarterback hasn't been. Completely accurate. I mean, he was accurate in the second half. But there's there's still a lot of questions that I think that Cowboy Nation is asking about these receivers. And I don't know if it's necessarily all the receivers' fault.
0: We, we talk about Gallup and where he's at. Lamb has been pretty steady with his production. It, it hasn't been, you know, uh, it hasn't been gaudy or anything. But he hasn't been just a, a complete black hole out there. Uh, do you think CeeDee Lamb is doing enough? We've talked about out there. Is Lamb doing enough to get open? Is Lamb doing enough to make plays right now?
1: Yeah, I I don't know who you have on this team, Bobby, that goes and gets the football. I don't know who's the Dez Bryant. And I say I don't know because I don't think you have one. I don't see a, you know, Amari. uh I think Maury Cooper was a guy to go get the football. Uh, you know, he's gone. That's, that's one of those trades that, Will always befuddle Cowboy nation for years. Did you replace him? You know they felt like they had enough guys. They felt like they had CD lamb. they felt like they had you know it's these guys make plays, but man, you you watch these games around the league. there's receivers that go get those balls. Yeah. you know and and I think with with CD, there's that that man he he looked like in that Giants game after he had a really rough start. And that Giants game, he had that drive that put him ahead, you know, 13 all and they put him ahead 20 to 13. And that was the game. And he looked like a man, you know, he looked like a man going and going to get the football and doing those things, you know, and I kind of expected that every week from him. And some days looks just fine. And other days it's, you know, it's the, the whole receiving core. It's to the point where you like, I didn't want to question that they needed another guy. And I still say, even if you go get another guy, are they going to use that guy the right way? That's that's the question I continue to ask.
0: You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, the Dallas Cowboys did make a trade. You know, as we're sitting here talking about how they need to get better at receiver. Uh, one of the positions we had talked about they need to get better at was defensive tackle. And I think they did that on Tuesday. Uh, before we get into that news, I want to remind you guys that uh, we are sponsored by our great partners over at Boomer Jacks here at Love of the Star. Man, Boomer Jacks, I'm so glad we're recording this here on Tuesday night. I got some bone, uh, bone and wings earlier tonight. Uh, the traditional wings are half price on Tuesday. If uh, if you're a fan of the boneless wings, you're listening to this on Wednesday. You can head over to Boomer Jacks today. They got half price boneless wings. They, they got you set up with any sort of deal that you need to tickle your wing fancy. Uh, they've also got the coldest beer in DFW, drink special starting at $3, wall-to-wall TVs, live music, whatever game you're looking for, whatever atmosphere you're looking for. Boomer Jacks has you covered. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by heading over to Boomer Jacks. Dot com brian the cowboys have a new defensive tackle a a pure nose tackle le- like a, a a legitimate nose tackle guy you know you the question was asked when john ridgeway was making this team early on before they had to cut him about how many one techniques is this team really going to keep well with all the ones they kept they're apparently not totally satisfied with any of them because they go out and get jonathan hankins for a sixth round pick in next year's draft Uh, I know you've got to talk to your Gang of Seven, which is your collection of guys across the league, front office uh, guys and gals who who share their insights about players and things going on around the league. What's some of the feedback you got about this particular trade for Jonathan Hankins today?
1: Yeah, you mentioned my guys around the league, and if you follow along on 105.3 The Fan, it's known as the Gang of Seven. It's the men and women who are general managers, player personnel directors, uh, you know, scouts. Anybody you know that I've known through my days of working in the league that will give me the time to, you know, they watch all the tape. They know all the names. I I'm watching Mavs basketball and, <laughs> and watching the Dallas Stars and trying to do a show and all that. But I appreciate what they do for me and, and give me the time to, you know, when when a player gets traded or somebody comes up, a name comes up, they can give me a good scouting report. And what I got from uh, talking to my gang of seven was. Hey, this this is a player, and I'll read from one of my scouts. It says, this gives them another interior presence that will allow them to diminish the run. You know, it's very good gap, half gap, uh, two gap run defender. Very intelligent, instinctive run defender that plays hard, has the ability to compress the pocket in the run game. You know, that's that was one of my uh, scout buddies said that. Another one said, this guy's an anchor nose, tough physical, has some nasty to him, good double team, anchor, won't get on a lot of tackles, short-range guy, uh, can max out to the C-gap, which, you know, that's A-gap, B-gap, C-gap, it's out by the tackle outside that, uh, so that's kind of where his range is, will keep linebackers clean, does the dirty work, and this guy said, I like him for what he is, good addition for him, so it was just a couple of guys that, what they thought, uh, another one thought that um, he will help provide some size and stoutness at defensive tackle for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, he's just okay. His functional two-down vet was uh, playing too many snaps in Vegas the last few years, so maybe playing less snaps and more of a rotation will help him more, uh, with more consistency and not wear down. So everybody was very positive uh, about, uh, Jonathan Hankins and, and what he, uh, and what he could do for the Dallas Cowboys. Now we'll see, uh, we've kind of heard some things before with, with Peters and Barr and some guys they've added along the way. Uh, but you know, this one sounds like it's got a little bit of a possibility.
0: Yeah. And I watched some of Jonathan Hankins today. I went through, uh, the last few games that he's played in Vegas and, He's an upgrade, I, I think, over what Bohanna's given you, what Gallimore's given you, Hill, um, guys like this. And, and I think the, the important thing there, you, you read a quote there that I think is really important because it's honestly the, the biggest job of a guy like Jonathan Hankins playing the one technique, which is he'll keep guys clean. And so so what that means, whatever that, that term is used for you guys listening at home who are wondering what that means, keeping guys clean mean that Jonathan Hankins is going to occupy enough space, occupy enough black blockers that – you know, a guy like Leighton Vander or Anthony Barr is going to have a clean run to get to the ball carrier and be able to make a play there. And that's something that they need, especially with guys like Anthony Barr seeming to struggle a little bit at times this year. We know when Leighton Vander eyes are right, he plays really well. When his eyes are wrong, it's a little bit more of a struggle. So if you can make it more of a free run. Uh, that's definitely helpful, but I think it's important to recognize this isn't the guy that he was in New York for those years where Cowboys fans became familiar uh, with him with the Giants. And that one year he was in Indianapolis where he was a top-tier run defender. I think he's a solid player, and and solid is better than what you've gotten from your one techniques, but I I don't think you can expect much in the way of, like, splashy plays. What Jonathan Hankins is going to do for this defense, you're not – totally going to notice. It's it's similar Brian I think to what you mentioned a couple weeks ago with the way Carlos Watkins played where really do anything in the stat sheet but John uh, you, you know uh, Carlos Watkins showing up in the stat sheet and Jonathan Hankins showing up in the stat sheet will be reflected in what Layton Esch does in the stat sheet and what Anthony Barr does in the stat sheet their totals are more correlated to what those guys are doing there and, uh, you know, he, he's a guy who's, who's effective when he's two-gapping, when he's playing head-up. And, and, you know, I know you've uh, explained this earlier today. Explain two-gapping for, for people who need to understand uh, what that means.
1: Yeah, two-gapping is, it's really more of a, when you play an odd front or a three-four front. And you'll play those down three linemen head-up, generally. And so you'll play what's known as a nose, of course, as uh, on the center or you'll play the five techniques, which are head up on the tackles, and then you got the four linebackers that kind of fill in around that. If you play two-gap technique uh, and you play head up, what you do is as as a rusher or as a defender is you extend into the blocker and you try and hold them at the point of attack, and then you look inside for the ball, and then you look outside for the ball. So instead of just playing one side of the blocker, They're actually neutralizing them and playing inside and out. So you're taking two gaps instead of just one.
0: Yeah. So if you guys want to imagine this, imagine the center sitting there, you've got the guards on either side of him and then the tackles on either side of those guards, the gaps between the guard and the center. Those are the a gaps on either side, the gap between the guards and the tackles, that's the B gap. And then outside the tackles, that's, uh, that's the a gap. And so, uh, or, or the C gap. Uh, so, so when you look at it that way, uh, a two gap for a guy like Hankins, who, if he's head up on a center, it's, he's responsible for both of the a gaps, not just one of them. Right. Whereas, right. whereas with somebody who's playing a little off center, you're, you're more like trying to rush up your particular gap that you're in front of there. Uh, but Brian, are, are are you, how much of a difference do you think this makes? If he comes in and he's, let's just say he's a little above average. If they start getting, you know, one technique play that's a little above average, how much do you think this helps this football team? Because to be honest, it's it's been a struggle for them. I think it knows.
1: Yeah, you know, and we need to kind of find out what's going on with Neville Gallimore, you know, with that whole thing. There's questions about potentially an injury with the wrist. Is he a healthy scratch? People are saying he's dealing with some stuff. You know, Bobby, I I give you a lot of credit. Uh, you know, when we first started this podcast, you said, hey, there's some things that maybe they're not completely happy with what's going on. I I know there were preseason games where it was late in the third quarter and Neville Gallimore's on the field and you're going, Hmm, that's not a very good sign. So um, I think where you know, do you get a veteran presence? And is this like, okay? you got the young version of Bohanna, but are they consistent enough? Has Bohanna been consistent enough, you know, playing that technique or do you get somebody that's a veteran that's 340 pounds and it's just going to sit there and not get moved, you know, and maybe they felt like that Bohanna, you know, at times got moved and they're going to play against some teams that are pretty good at running the football you know, coming up. I mean, you got the Bears that we're going to get into at some point. Uh, You know, we'll see with the Vikings, you know, you got the Eagles coming back around, uh, you know, around Christmas time. But, you know, there's teams that are going to try and run the, the Colts, the Titans. You know, you're going to you're going to be challenged in the run game. Yeah. You know, if you if and if you're not heavy enough or ready enough, you know, you're going to have some problems. And I think this is where Uh, Where Hankins comes in and, you know, can give them some some rotational nose, one technique, and, you know, maybe make a difference and keep teams from, you know, attacking the middle of that defense.
0: Was this the trade that they needed to make, you know, uh, transitioning a little bit over from from Hankins and more specifically to this question we asked about receivers yesterday, should they be more active? Do you think on the trade front of pursuing receiver? And, and to be honest, we don't know. They could be picking up the phone. They could be making cursory calls. Right. I I think we should have heard more. And I know we brought this up recently. I think we should hear more about their interest or, or their, their involvement in a guy like Odell Beckham or, or placing phone calls on guys like DJ Moore to gauge the interest it just feels like there's been a little too much complacency for me at the receiver position. They, they've they been too content to just let this play out going all the way back to training camp where when James Washington got hurt, that was their line. They said, we're going to let it play out. We're going to check it out. And and it wasn't great through training camp. And then they got into the regular season and then they were still letting it play out. And it seems like they're content to say, well, Dax back now let's let this play out and see what we got here to me. It's if you believe you have a championship defense, it, it's, it's imperative that you go, get somebody who can make some sort of an impact at receiver?
1: Well, that's, you know, I mean, we talked about it earlier in this podcast, Bobby. I mean, they, if you go get somebody, can that somebody actually make a difference? Can that somebody maybe overcome not having to be schemed open? You know, is that somebody that is a natural route runner that can get separation, can extend and finish and, You know, I think that's the thing that's the biggest question. And, you know, yeah, DJ Moore, guys like that, sure. Absolutely. You know, Uh, you know, if you're the Cowboys and you're having aspirations about, uh, you know, being in playoffs and championship games and things like that, you give a – you're going to give a first-round pick or, you know, second-round pick. Those picks are, like, late. They're late in the draft because, you know, it's going to be – you're somewhere probably picking, you know – 27th, 28, 32nd, if you're lucky, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, you're not going to find anybody better at 26, 27 or 28 than a guy like DJ Moore, if you have to give up a one. So yeah, I, I'd love to say that and see that, but I can say that, that guy has better be ready made and ready to go because there could be a possibility that he's not going to get, like I say, get schemed open, you know, he he might not have a quarterback that always puts the ball right on top of it. You
0: know, you have to be ready for those things too. Can Odell Beckham be that guy? Because I think he can.
1: I do, yeah. If he, if, he, if he can if he can be yes. that
0: guy, why not get involved? You've got the cap space to play in those waters.
1: Well, he you know, he might not, you know, Odell loves to be courted. That's his deal, man.
0: He yeah, yeah. And 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 to be fair, I know this for a fact he would have interest if the Cowboys call, he would have them in, in his running as one of the teams that he'd like, but I don't think they pursued it. And like you say, he wants to be courted. So why don't the Cowboys just court? Isn't he somebody who could impact the scene? Look, they've talked all year about, Hey, look, we're we're going to get Tyron Smith right back for the meat of the schedule. We're, we're going to get him all just right. time. So why wouldn't you have a similar approach with a guy like Odell Beckham? I mean to say, well, he's coming off an injury. Okay. But th- so is Tyron Smith and you're talking about what an advantage that is. Bring Odell Beckham in here for the media schedule. Let him him come in here and, and make some sort of difference. It's just, it's frustrating to me that it seems like there are options out there to pursue to make this team better in the passing game, and they just seem content to say, we don't need our passing game to be any better than it is. We can just defense and ground and pound it.
1: Yeah, well, like, I think that Odell Beckham, and, you know, there's going to be teams, like Buffalo's going to jump in on this. Yep. Uh, you know, Kansas uh, City, Kansas City's going to jump in on this. Uh, you know that the Rams are going to jump in on this. You know that's kind of what you're dealing with right now. But I I know for a fact Odell Beckham loves to be coddled and hugged and held and told he's the greatest thing in the world. I know? do too. Yeah, we all do. But <laughs> but but in this case, him even more. And yeah. if you're not willing to do that. Don't get in on the Odell Beckham thing because he wants to feel you. uh, He wants to feel how much you care about him.
0: Uh, Again, don't we all? Uh, You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, it is now time for our favorite part of the show. It is where we turn things over to our dear listeners for the listener mailbag. Uh, Before we jump into some of their questions, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner there at Boomer Jacks, you know, if you are a big fan of wings, whether they be boneless wings or or, you know, traditional bone-in wings, Boomer Jack says he covered with specials on Tuesday night when we're recording this podcast. They have half price bone and wings on Wednesday. It's half price boneless wings. So whatever you prefer, they've got the hookup for you. They also have the coldest beer in the Metroplex or really anywhere else that I've ever found. And so I, I promise you, you're going to want to go uh, get into some of that. They've got great drink specials starting at three dollars buckets of beer. Uh, they've got live TVs, wall to wall TVs, best televisions in the Metroplex bar none. So whatever sort of sporting event you're looking to catch up on Boomer the spot, they've also got live music and just a great atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, whether it's a night out with the family or something with coworkers or whatever else, Boomer Jacks is the perfect place for whatever you're looking for. There's 17 DFW locations and you can find yours by heading over to boomerjacks.com. That is boomerjacks.com. And thank you again to Boomer Jacks for uh, being our wonderful partner here at love of the star, Brian. Let's jump into some of these questions for you real quick. Uh, First question here from Julian Perry. Is Hankins an auto plug and start?
1: I think it's going to, um, you know, he's been playing, so you don't have to worry about the conditioning. Uh, The defensive tackle position, the nose, probably not a whole heck of a lot of learning he has to do, uh, you know, because he's going to be a a two-down player. Uh, I think he's a rotational guy to start out with. They're going to get him uh, some opportunities here in this, uh, probably in this game a little bit. And then they'll turn around the bye week to kind of get him settled in some more uh, on some things. And then I think once you get to green Bay, Minnesota, you'll see him potentially be that plug and play guy.
0: Yeah, and I think when you talk about him being a two down player, I think some people hear that and think, well, okay, so that what that means he's playing on first and second down. I think it just means whenever you hit, you're most likely running. Right, the they, running. They, they, yeah. they, they don't want him in there on third and long. Um, but if you're going against a team where the tendencies are, you know, they're first down passing team, you probably don't want him in there on that. These are more going to be third and short reps for him. Uh, probably some stuff, you know, inside the ten goal to go situations because you're you're not going to get much at all from him as a pass rusher. That that's not his game. Um he he's he's not going to be able to run these twists and stunts that they like to do in the pass rushing aspect. So so not really the fit for Jonathan Hankins, but somebody who can make a difference in the running game, which that's the biggest criticism that's been there for the Cowboys defense is at times they get gashed in the running game. So as we've talked about earlier, it kind of keeps these linebackers clean a little bit uh and and definitely helps out in that respect. Uh next question here uh from uh astute fanatic most likely to happen in the offseason, barring a Super Bowl win. So we're going to imagine the Cowboys don't win a Super Bowl, however that ends up, uh, which is more likely. Dan Quinn leaves or is given the head coaching gig in Dallas. Letting him leave seems like a disaster waiting to happen. I got to be honest, the way things have played out this year, if they get to the playoffs, even if they fall short, I I don't know. I, I really don't know that they'd be willing to just pull things out from Mike McCarthy. I think they've been impressed with the job he's done the first seven weeks of the season. He's done a good job. And so I don't know that they feel like there's enough of a reason to just pull it away and, and, and let Dan Quinn go. But I can tell you this, that would be a painful day for a lot of people in that building if Dan Quinn leaves. He is loved by a lot of people there in the Dallas Cowboys offices.
1: I I, I kind of feel like it's going to come down to what happens if they do make the playoffs and how do they lose in the playoffs? Is it a complete falter, faltering of the offense, Uh, you know, is it something that Mike McCarthy could have fixed or could have done something with, uh, with Kellen Moore, you know, Joe Philbin, they sacrifice that whole staff and, you know, on the offense. And because what's going to happen is if you, if you lose Dan Quinn, you're likely going to lose your defensive line coach. And then we'll see if, if Joe Witt, or George Edwards gets the job as the defensive coordinator. That that to me I think will be the, the what'll happen. But you're likely to lose uh A D, the defensive line coach, and and Dan's gonna, you know I don't know who else he would take, but if if in fact it's a it's a collapse because the because the offense collapsed and They say, well, we're just going to name Dan the coach and whoever Dan wants to bring in as the offensive coordinator, then I think that's the question you have to ask. I think that Dan Quinn is so beloved in that organization, especially by Will McClay and also Stephen Jones. And and if they will fight like hell not to have somebody like Sean Payton, I believe, come in because Sean will want to do things in personnel. He absolutely will want to do things in personnel. And Dan is a little bit more likely to let things kind of happen, you know, the way it needs to happen with the personnel guys.
0: Yeah, the the difference between Sean Payton and and Dan Quinn, I think they're both equally interested in the personnel. But the difference is Sean Payton wants to make the call, whereas Dan Quinn's interest lies in, I want to effectively communicate to the scouting department what I need. Right. Help them do the work, but I want them to make the decisions. Right. And and, and that's the difference, I think, and that's why he, he interacts well. In fact, uh, Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl, a guy you uh, briefly worked with in Green Bay, I believe, when he first uh, entered the scouting ranks, uh, he, he tweeted today after Dan Quinn was quoted on Jordan Lewis's season-ending injury. He said, it's easy sometimes to say the coach's cliche is next man up. But there's a dude behind that injury, too, and we'll miss him. We love him. That's a hard one for us to deal with, but we certainly will. And Jim Nagy quote-tweeted that and said, statements like this are why players go so hard for Dan Quinn and why he should be at the top of any head coaching shortlist this offseason, and he can coach up a defense, too. So, you know, it, it's pretty – he's pretty widely – you know, he's held in high regard by by pretty much everybody in the league at every level of, of football operations.
1: Yeah, uh, Dan – I know talking to my guys in Atlanta before he got here uh, to a man were telling me, Tom Dimitrov, former general manager with the Falcons, is like, listen, we were one bad half of football away in the Super Bowl from all keeping our jobs. You know, goes, we win that Super Bowl, we're all still working in Atlanta. And so, but to a man, everybody I know in Atlanta that was talking about these coaches uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they all love these guys.
0: Question here from Garrett. If Duron Bland, speaking of the J, uh, Jordan Lewis uh, injury, if Duran Bland steps in for Jordan Lewis, as most seem to expect and plays well enough, do you think we've seen the last of J. Lewis, a cowboy, roughly $5 million cap hit next year? Yeah, they save yeah. some money by by letting Jordan Lewis go. And Jordan Lewis is a slot guy in Dan Quinn. Yeah. That, that's what he plays. And Duron Bland is a guy I think they feel really good about there in the nickel. And so... Yeah. I mean, I think if Deron Bland shows that he can hold that down, that's probably the end of Jordan Lewis.
1: Yeah. I, you know, you, you, you just don't know until you get there, but yes, we might've seen the last of, we might've seen the last of, uh, Jordan Lewis and, you know, we'll, you know, I could say, uh, Deron Bland, if he shows up and plays really, really well, you know, there's, you know, there's a good possibility that they'll just, you know, move on and, and that's what they'll do. But, uh, Jordan Lewis has been a, a guy that has shown toughness and and grit and all those things in the way he's played. He, he hasn't always been perfect, but for the most part, I think he's done a pretty solid job.
0: Yeah, that's a high football character guy that has fought to keep his spot on this team for as long as he has. And he's somebody who's earned a lot of respect from players and coaches and front office people. Um, you know, when when he first got here, he, he was a third round pick. He was a guy who had a good rookie season. And then Chris Richard came in here and Jordan Lewis doesn't fit the way Chris Richard thought defensive backs should be. And all right. of it, Jordan Lewis was not on the football field anymore. And in in, in that, in that moment when that was happening, um, you had Taco Charlton really starting to sour uh, because of, because of his attitude and the way he did things. And I had somebody tell me that uh, somebody had a come to Jesus meeting with Taco Charlton near the end of the 2018 season and they use Jordan Lewis as an example. They said, look at Jordan Lewis and the way this guy is having to fight against something that has to do with how God created the man. He can't yeah. think about his size and he is out here fighting and he's trying to get reps on offense and he's trying to do different things to, to work his ass off and be better and, and, and still is out there being competitive. And your issue is just about your attitude. You can't fix yeah. that. And Jordan Lewis is fix is trying to fight to fix things that he has no control over. And and so you you're completely in control. So they've always thought really highly of Jordan Lewis and, and the way that he's fought. He he is absolutely beloved as a true high football character type of guy. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, next question here from uh, 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 from Dean Julia, one of our loyal listeners. Do you think this team needs to pass more aggressively in the first half of games going forward? I feel like if they went up 10-0 on a team, it would feel insurmountable and the pass rush could really get after it, then run out the clock, or is the risk of turnover something to avoid? I, I don't think that Dak Prescott's a guy who, who's ever been a, a big turnover machine. I understand sometimes the throws aren't great, but overall yeah. relative to the league average – um, he he's a more protective of the football than others. And so I, I do feel like they, they can't operate every single game like they did against Detroit. I, I don't think that's a feasible plan for all these games against contenders. Um, So yeah, what would, would I like to see them throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah. I think that's part of why they took the ball first against Detroit. They wanted to get up early and, and, and put some pressure on Detroit um, but ultimately, uh, I, I think that when you hear Jerry talk and you hear the way they've approached things, I think they're going to have to lose a couple games before they say, let, let's let change things up.
1: I, I agree with you 100% on that. I, I think that they know how good this defense is. And uh, to Dean's point, though, you know, yeah, it, it reminds me very much of the early Cowboys that I used to have to compete against when I was in Green Bay is they would build a lead and then they would wear you down with the running game and then they'd wear you down with their defense. Yeah, And so, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, Dak needs to get back on that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, that consistency train where he's throwing well, they're scoring, you know, they're, I mean, it's last, I think that the Detroit game was a good game for him to kind of get himself, get himself muddied again, you know, get the feel of the game we'll see, you know, this could be a very interesting game against the Bears this week. If the Bears just commit to the run, it could be a very short game. It could be a very much a, you know, maybe you don't have 11 or 12 possessions in the game. Maybe you only have, you know, nine, maybe you only have 10, you know, and maybe you're going to have to score on every, you know, opportunity that you get. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be a uh, you know, I think every week Dak is going to get a little bit better. And then maybe to Dean's to point that you'll see them score early and often and then let this defense just, uh, just sick the opponent with a pass rush as they have to come back.
0: That does it for us here on The Love of the Star. We'll be back with you guys again on Friday with a full preview of the Chicago Bears team and Justin Fields, who uh, looked pretty impressive on Monday night in a victory over the Patriots. Until then, we will talk to you guys later.